Please listen carefully. Hi, I'm Paul Frields. And I'm Dave Guzman. Welcome to Practical Bass, where each week we pick a topic of interest to you, the working bass player. And we look at it from some different angles and discuss it and hopefully bring some wit and wisdom that will help you take your gigs and your gear to the next level. That is our mission. And you're going to find it on our website. If you go to practicalbase.com, you'll find that printed in big, bold letters because that's what we're all about. We want to we want to help you and we want to also create a community and camaraderie with you, our listeners and fellow bassists. And that's why we hope that you will give us some feedback if you find the contact form on our website at practicalbase.com, or you can email us directly at podcast at practicalbase.com. Please feel free to leave us some feedback, some ideas, concepts, even if it's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode. We'd love to hear from you. We read all the mail we get. It's one of our favorite things to get listener mail from all over the world. It has been one of the highlights of doing this podcast. I, I still love it to this day. So I, I hope you guys will, will keep doing that and keep sending us ideas. Um, we also hope that you will subscribe and share this podcast and that you find us on social media and use social media to share it with others. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Google Plus, Twitter. I think we're on Tumblr as well now. So please do feel free to uh, to like and share what you find uh, with your with your fellow musicians. Um, so, Dave. Yeah, we have a we have a different kind of episode happening. We today. do. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, normally I ask Dave about this, but this is one that I, I kind of feel connected to. Yeah. And, uh, we were, we, we were asked by a listener about a particular topic. So listener mail, this is, this is listener mail, listener mail. I love that. I love that. I hear it. I love it. You will. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) so we were asked by, uh, our listener, um, Paul, Callaway to uh, to talk about this topic. So in season one, Dave and I had picked a, a player who influenced many, many people, James Jamerson, and we kind of dove into what we think makes them great. Yeah. And so Paul Callaway, our listener, wrote to us, and I'm going to quote to you from his email. He wrote, given all the influence Getty Lee has had on me and probably plenty of other listeners, would there be any possibility of a similar podcast regarding his playing and influence on rock music and bass. And I would say there is more than a possibility, right? It is an absolute certainty because here is that episode. It's happening now. It's happening right now. In the now. In the now, in the moment. Boom. You're you're in it. You're what's that? We're soaking in it. We're soaking <laughs> in that moment right now. So, that was great. Great sound effect. That was great fully work there, Dave. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, okay, well let let's let's kick this off. So, for those who don't know, uh Getty Lee is uh one third of the band Rush, mm-hmm. uh a, a, a band which uh I, I think it would be fair to say for many years had uh I would call them high cult status. Right. Right. I would say they yep. were not a they were not a they were definitely not a best kept secret. Yeah. Um, they were they were huge concerts. 
uh, you know, were huge from the mid seventies onward, you know, definitely incredibly popular, but yet always just kind of just below the right. surface of what you would find elsewhere. Right. And maybe that's because of their odd time signatures that they would work in. Sure. Maybe it's because of the, you know, very deep pondering lyrics. Yeah. Maybe it's because of Getty's, you know, very high uh, voice in this sort of like, ze- like kind of early Zeppelin-esque mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, way of delivering vocals. Um, and it could be their, their, their music was angular and different and yeah. not what you would normally call um, for most of their work radio ready or radio friendly uh, in, in the conventional sense. But yet they forged over 40 plus years of That's working right. together uh, one of the biggest legacies in rock music. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but three guys, this was just a power trio, That's right? right. Like the other great power trios, yeah. you know, like Cream or yeah. something like that, you know? That's right. That, that um, you know, just three guys could make this much sound together. Right. And in doing that, also stay friends. Right. For over 40 years, actually right. like 50 years, actually, because, you know, yeah. Getty and Alex, the bass player and guitar player, knew each other from childhood. Yeah. As you can, you know, you can learn. There's a couple documentaries out there I would invite people to look up. I think there's. There's a newer one, there's right? Beyond the kind the, of like. Yeah, there's Beyond the Lighted Stage. And yeah. then I think there's another one. Um, uh, the name's escaping me right now, but. But in general, they kind of like. Yeah. They kept their rock star like lifestyle off of the front page. Yeah. Yeah. These are not guys who like went out and. You know, they weren't busting up hotel rooms yep. or snorting a fortune up their noses That's right. or whatever. These guys were, they were, uh, you know, pretty mild mannered mm-hmm. uh, guys. I mean, you know, probably I would bet that the the worst thing they ever did was probably like you know had a couple too many beers and passed out right. in their in their hotel room. Them, you know. Right. Amongst themselves quietly. Right. <laughs> like that's kind of how right. I see them. I don't right. know if that really happened, but right. I've, yeah, I've no I don't idea. know the story. But that's yeah. kind of like the worst right. thing I can imagine them doing. Um yeah. you know, but but Getty was the bass player, and I think some people, maybe a lot of people would see him as kind of the you know, really kind of the mastermind, maybe the sure. driving force behind like kind of like uh if there was if there was any one person who maybe kind of uh you know, maybe held the maybe held the business reins, or just kind of mm-hmm. like served as the focal point. I'm guessing it was probably yeah. him. He always struck me as kind of the guy who was, you know, the the most ambitious mm-hmm. out of all of them, without being in any right. way like a jerk or anything. Yeah. So I um, haven't seen the documentaries, but that's kind of what I get just from the interviews that I've heard, yeah. and actually, like through through the music, I hear it. Yeah. So I mean, Rush went on to. You know they've they've had I I don't know how many albums they've had now I I I, I used to be the oh, world's biggest fan of yeah. theirs when I was young yeah and I've literally lost count like I, I mean I it's it's well over twenty five albums right. at this point yes right and and they've had some of them are live albums they've got they have like DVDs a studio album there. that's like eighty songs or something like that like just that alone they've got like yeah well there's a I know there's collection which is after out there yeah and but stuff. that's eighty like. 
And that's just post like n- late nineties or something. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Oh, easily. early nineties. Like yeah, it's not like that. they stopped. It's not like they. St- oh, a nineteen. They did stop for a little bit, right? They did. There is a whole story behind that because the drummer Neil, um, mm-hmm. he lost his in the course of like I think a year. Mm. He lost his wife to cancer, uh, and his daughter died in a in a freak car accident. Oh man, like. One thing after another, and I mean, I think that would probably mm. kill most normal human beings' desire mm. to live, right? And this is a guy who went through, you know, he probably went through a period of introspection and with, you know, withdrew from from you know life yeah. and, and music and everything. And then, you know, when things were right, the uh, you know things started happening yeah. again. And you know, I think that that's a also a testament to the yeah. band is that, um, you know, they. The band's business of making music and money as musicians never was more important than that, right? right. They yeah. were like the other guy, the other two guys basically said this by far, like there's, this isn't even measurable on the same scale. Like what we might want to do in music or whatever has literally like it's, that's, that's so minute compared to what, the, what our friend is going through. We may that may be the end of the band. That may be, and that's how it is. So, pardon my ignorance to this. So, they didn't even get a sub. They didn't get a sub. No, there's no, 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 no. They just turned it off. That's it. No, that band is that those three guys, and that's it. That's actually super respectful. Yeah, and they've said, like they've said since, like this, there is, you know, the the band is these is these three guys. Mm -hmm. There is no band without any one of these guys. Yeah, and and I I think that makes perfect sense, and I would call that like one of the most successful triumvirate partnerships. Yeah. Did you, I, I use the word triumvirate. I'm pretty proud of that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That is like one of the most successful triumvirate partnerships. I think that you will find in modern music period. Yeah. Right there. Um, I'm going to write that in my journal tonight, by the triumvirate? way. Triumvirate. Like well, that, that you said it. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> On this day in history. <laughs> Um, so that was a yeah. rather lofty introduction. No, that's cool. I think right? it's, I think it's good to give the background for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. there are probably people yeah. out there who don't know about this band and that's cool. You know, you, yeah. we're not, I don't think the purpose of this podcast is to sell people a band as much as it is to acknowledge, I think a player that has had a huge impact right. on a lot of people. Yes. I know he had an impact on me. Yeah. Like I would say in my early years, as much as like James Jamerson or Marcus Miller, right. Nathan East, Chris Squire, yeah. um, Jack Bruce, anybody like that, those all of those people had big impacts on me. Yeah. Um Getty was one of the people I think I saw as I saw him as a in him, I saw in him a, like kind of a kindred spirit in that uh-huh. he not only played bass, but he played keyboards. That's right. And he would do this. He would play like during one song, he'd yeah. be switching from bass to keyboards. Yeah. Sometimes he was playing bass and at the same time he's playing pedals with his feet. Right. That are like organ pedals. <laughs> right. You know, those chromatic piano organ pedals. Yeah. Um, and singing on top of all this, like he's also singing at the same time. Yeah. And that was definitely somebody that I looked at what he was doing. And not just singing, but singing yeah. like, I mean, I think his range was like 
two or three octave. Like he was, in, he was like close to like the three octave level, yeah, if not there. He had a very high, yeah. He had a very, very high voice that that he could pull with out. intonation. Yeah, like yeah, killer. And and to be able to do that live, and you know, and, and right by you know by the early nineties, you know, I had seen them a number of times, like a half dozen times, and you know. It was, you couldn't believe my eyes. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe there's this guy who's doing all this stuff, you know, in the course of one song, yeah. I'm watching him do all of these things very proficiently. And that would be one thing if it was like simple songs. Right. But these songs are like, they're changing meter all the time, yeah. very angular lines. And this guy, and, and all this is great, but what about the bass, Paul? What about mm -hmm. the bass? Yeah. Well, this guy is like, he is... He is it. yanking lines yeah. on the on his bass that are just insane. Yeah. At the, all at the same time. I mean, it was incredible. Like I love um, you know, one of my early influences without before, you know, when I was a child, right? That like one of my big influences is Sting. And still is today. Like when I write music, like it just whatever, you know, it still comes through me. And and yeah. like the police yeah. era, right? Yep. And you think about all right, cool. There's a writer, a singer, composer, and a bassist. Right. But when you, even though I love, and you know, I would never take this away, I love the bass lines, but the bass lines that he's writing are definitely like simplified in a way that it's like, it's simplified in an art where like it makes sense to what's going on with the vocals. Yeah. Even, yeah. even if it's like syncopated or whatever. Right. It's, it's, put to that level as a base you know he i would say staying like he often was doing like and it's not that he never did anything complex because he certainly did but right. a lot of times he's doing these lines because they support the song that's right in a, in a conventional way yes. he's supporting the song yeah and i think if you look on the other hand you look at like what getty does dude you you can't even you couldn't like i not think even the same ball game if, if you didn't know anything about Getty Lee and you just plugged in one, you know, one of the, any one of the songs, you would never guess that the singer is a bassist. Cause you would say, right. how in the hell is somebody actually doing that? Right. Like I would challenge anybody to go grab a copy of, okay, so I, we're, we're, I, we're, we're going to, we're, we're going to like spin way out right. here, but you know, go grab like red barchetta or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you hear what, I mean, it's not that what he's singing is entirely opposite of what's happening in the bass. They're right. definitely connected, but at the same time, the bass is going all of these places that right. the vocal is not. Yeah. And that's the thing that's like, it's crazy when you listen to that. Or it is insane. Um, Marathon was always one of my favorites. Uh -huh. That's a, It's not a really well-known song of theirs, but they used to do it in concert a bunch in the 90s. And uh, it has a very like power poppy kind of um, plucky, funky sound to it that it has nothing to do with what he's singing at all. And yeah. it's all basically like, he's just so good. Yeah. Just muscle memories up that totally. Stuff and then just sings over it because yeah. he can, you know, but these, so for me, these are things that like I discovered later yeah. because my first, yeah, my first me, experience, yeah, how, how did you, so how did right? you first hear these? My, guys? my first experience with like and and I I know that I heard some of the songs before this, right? But you know, we hear music sometimes and we don't associate who's playing it or whatever, right? When we're younger, 
Freshman year of college for me, mid-90s, mid-90s, mid-90s. Yeah. Um, I put, um, I'm, I'm in a quad, right? Like I room with four people. Right. And I put, I like music and that was it that like, it was a handwritten sheet and that's, what's going to place you. So I got put with three other guys that love music. Yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) That was a, that was a wild year. Um, so here's the mix, right? I know this sounds off topic, but I'm going to bring it in. So, um, we, uh, one, you know, one guy, uh, gosh, I should know his name, but I can't remember. And probably for privacy purposes, it's good anyways. Um, Rasta J or something we would call him. <laughs> Rasta J. Right. We gave everybody nicknames. Right, right. So he was like, he had his corner of this like cement, you know, whatever, 15 by 15 room. Right. And, and bed, metal right. bed. And, um, he was, it, he was all about like, Bob Marley, Grateful Dead, Fish, um, West Coast hip hop, like yeah, you know, yeah. Dr. Dre, yeah. Snoop, all this stuff, yeah. Pink Floyd and yeah. his chill out moments. Yeah. It was great. It was super like this is all music that I've heard in the past, but yeah. it was like yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He even had like the black light right. poster. Right. Of he course. He even had that. Of course. Then, like next to me was um, one of one of my best friends to this day, and for many years, um, and uh, jazz guitarist, still a jazz guitarist, yeah. like still in the workshop, like with monster jazz guitarists who don't even perform; they just do yeah. jazz in a room together. Yeah. yeah, like the next level stuff. I'm like, right, um, and also he plays in a funk band. And his was like, at that era, it was all about like, um, and, you know, I'm rapping, I'm bubbling this all together, but like a lot of like blue note jazz, yeah, right? Yeah, Label yeah. stuff, all the blue note stuff. Yeah, yeah. Also like Eastern music. Right. Right, which is kind of tied to some of the blue note stuff, right. but all that like Eastern. Yeah. And then- It's really um, smooth from like jazz to microtonal. And uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then he would also do like the Tribe Called Quest, yeah. right? Not the yeah. West Coast so much, but all the right. Tribe side, yeah. right? That- that also yep. sampled Blue Note. Um, and then Parliament was like his get loose. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Make my funk the P-funk. Yes. Right? And then, um, and like for me, like I came in like the wild card, you know, it was like right. Fugazi. I love like Minutemen or anything with Mike Watt in it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Primus. And I wasn't even playing bass at this point, mind you. Right. Hadn't even touched a bass in my but life. Yeah. Yeah. You'd already right. like gravitated. Primus. To it. it was in your soul. I should have known it. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. like I'm getting the chills right now. I should have known. Like, yeah. of course even I was going to play the bass. Yep. Um, Jemiroquai, mm-hmm. bass centric, right? Yes. All these Beastie Boys. Um, and I was really into like fusion. Like I love like Stanley Clark yep. Yep. stuff, like all, anything with like him and Chick Corea. Yeah. Like, and then like Al Miola stuff, John McLaughlin, like all this stuff. Right. But kind of across like, yeah, you know, very. So you got these three guys and they're all like kind of bring their and own then, little. And then there was, del- and then there was a fourth guy. Yeah. Nicest guy ever. Loved him. Yeah. Loved him. And he was like. So gung ho. He was a guitar player. Yeah. Different than yeah. my friend, my other friend who's a guitar player. Yeah. He was 115% rush. Like this guy is the prog rocker, right? Or he whatever. had like, yeah, he had when all of us are broke, he had like the pedal, like the multi pedal boards that had like, yeah, 
you know, when digital pedals were coming out yeah. with all the effects. Yeah. And he was so happy about this. He was so happy about the music, really. Like his joy for this yeah. music. Yeah. Um, but it also came with the other two bands that he loved, which was Dream Theater. Yeah. And yeah. and um and Hootie and the Blow Blowfish. Wow. Okay. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have like, pegged that. Okay. <laughs> like that was the that's probably the part that like took me for a spin. I was like, yeah, but like, and at the time I'm like, and and don't get me wrong, like amazing musicians, but at the time in that era, I'm like, wait, and who and Hootie? Like it kind of lost. Right. Like I, I was like, um, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, where did that come from? And and I would actually like I hung out with all of them and I spent a lot of time and I and I got a lot of Russian at that point and I yeah. loved it. Like yeah. I really did, but I had so many other options. Oh yeah. That at that given point, all of a sudden Rush like took that, it back. That burner. withered, but some other things kind of took over. All these you. other things had yeah. they had more of like an organic kind yeah. of feel approach, right? Yeah. Of what at that point. Yeah. And that kind of like, you know, that stinks in, in that regard. Like I always yeah. look back at that, like, oh, that just like got past me. That's one band that's right. like a monster that like got past me until later on in life right. when then I, I like come back and I'm like, wait, who is this Getty guy? <laughs> who is this Getty that every <laughs> time, every guy? time I Google like best bassist and like Getty Lee pops up and like, who is this Getty guy again? Who is I'm that like, Getty Lee guy? oh, I get it. Yeah. He's a monster. Right. Oh, I get it. He's a, you know. Yeah. He's so a killer. That's yeah. my that's my rush background. Yeah. You know? No, it's good. Like, and so you kind of came into them as being like, this was definitely a musician's band. Yes. Right. Like, as much as any of these other, you know, groups were like, you know, you, yeah. You know, you might look at like Coltrane or you might look at like yes. um, you know, uh uh you know, I completely like blank. You described all of these so well, and now I just completely blanked on them. But just as much as like you know, you hear like like Primus, is yeah, still, like all, all these. They're yeah. super. And the thing is, is it was like the technicality I wasn't ready for. Yeah, it kind of went over my head. A yeah, bit. and but that is, I mean, that is kind of like it's one of their trademarks that I feel like it is a, it is. At once, it's like a trademark, but it also is kind of a. It's de there's definitely a little sense of it being like it's a little bit of a barrier. Yeah, it's a permeable barrier. Yeah, but you're not going to get into it by accident. Like you're not going to uh -huh. be like you're not going to be at the club. You know, like no, you yeah. know, knocking it, one back with your friends and you're like, who yeah. is that? Who's that? Rush? Yeah, yeah. What? Like it no, is, that's not going to happen. Like <laughs> it's like it's like many other high cult band yeah right yeah. where you have you gain entry. it is very this it's very um highly stylistic yeah yeah it has it has something i mean when you hear a rush song man there's like that's what it is you can't you're not like i don't know is that beyonce no yeah. nope <laughs> you know exactly that's when they throw who that is <laughs> they throw you out of the yeah. club at that point yeah Oh um, my goodness. Well, so yeah, I, so I got into them, uh, you know, I, I, I know for a fact that there were kids who got into them when I was in middle school and high school uh -huh. because I can remember back to seeing somebody's t-shirt, you know, uh, it was like a, a, a rush t-shirt. Right. I didn't know what it was. I, I kind of registered it, but it never connected with me. Right. And the thing was, is that I was going through this like weird period in the eighties yeah. where 
I kind of listened to nothing but classical music for probably a good three or four years, maybe more. And this is, I mean, I'm talking like 1982 or 83 to like 1987. Right. I kind of missed out on a lot of things that happened then. And I kind of missed out on those years where you really like, as a teenager, you start connecting with on a very visceral level with, with, uh, with, some kind of music, right, is going to really attach to you. Yeah. And for me, the weird thing was, is that it was classical at that time. So Mm -hmm. I knew like- Really? I knew a boatload of Stravinsky. No way. But I didn't know anything that had a Stratocaster in it. Like, that Uh was like, it was, I- I I just learned that about you. Wow. I was into that. Like, I mean, Stravinsky, Shostakovich, Chaifel. Tchaikovsky, Brahms, you know, like, right. uh, you know, I went through like, I went through a whole Mozart Very phase cool. for like, you know, eight months where that's all I listened to. One of my best friends actually is like, that's how he was. We would play chess and then he would get so pumped about these yeah. like weird classical songs. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't get it. I, I still to this day, like there are, there are pieces that I just like immediately connect with uh, at a really you know, I hang out with weird people. You do. Ha- like you that included. includes me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there was this whole period where right. I missed all that stuff. So the way that I connected with them yeah. is not during that like that really formative time, but strangely, also in college. Right. So I had some friends who lived in the like our 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 college dorm was like is like what they called a suite, mm-hmm. and it was like five double bedrooms around a living area. Right. And sure. Like, you know, they go, yep. they go down a whole dorm like that. And the guys who lived in the, not in my, not in the next room, but in the next suite from ours. Yeah. Uh, Paul, I know what the suite is. Yeah, the yeah. suite is basically, it was my room minus the suite. It was just one room. There you go. You had just one room. We had like a bunch of <laughs> yeah, rooms. We had, <laughs> we also had running water. And <laughs> we, we called ours a suite when we put sheets that hung from the ceiling <laughs> down to the floor <laughs> then it was a suite that's how you subdivided it into a suite <laughs> nice that's we nice we did that yeah so um yeah so anyway these guys in the next suite from ours um one of them had um one of them had uh, uh one of their albums he had uh hold your fire uh-huh. which is a later album it was brand new at the time it was like 1987 right so it had just come out and I think if you were asked, if you were to ask, like, if you were to poll, like, Rush fans, yeah, they probably, like, this probably wouldn't come in as one of their top albums or anything. Yeah. But I actually thought the songs were really strong. Right. They were really well written. They were right. more in a pop vein, and there was a mm-hmm. lot of keyboards in them, mm-hmm. which actually, like, helped. That kind of helped me. That production value kind of yeah. helped me get into that music kind of right. sideways. Right. Because you love the production yeah. stuff too. And I could still hear yeah. the bass really well in it. And the bass was right. like once I finally right. could tell, oh my God, that's a that's the bass. That's like oh, this yeah. one guy playing bass. And I was like, right. holy crap. And then when I read the liner notes, I'm like, that's the guy who's singing? And he did yeah. all the keyboards? Are you kidding me? Right. Oh my gosh. And it's actually like to me, the music is very highly composed yes so it has that um it doesn't sound like classical music 
Right. But it's also not jam. It's not a jam. It's very, like, yeah, there are parts and there's movements within yeah. some of the pieces yeah. that are like epic and yeah. bring down. And sometimes those are just like vocals with like very little instrumentation. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the thing that basically got me into it. And yeah. then it, that is the reason I bothered to check out the other record this guy had in his collection, which was Moving Pictures, which is like, okay. that's considered right. one of their masterpieces. Sure. Right? Yeah. It's got Tom Sawyer on it that everybody yep. knows. Like, they they play that on rock radio all the time now. Which was written by Getty. Well, yeah. Like, well, so what the, all the, I think all the songs, like, Getty and Alex wrote mm-hmm. the music together yeah. for almost everything. And then the drummer, Neil, wrote the lyrics. Yeah. So... Um, and oh, I, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Although on that, uh, there are a couple songs where I think Neil had a friend who co-wrote yeah. some lyrics with him. But, right. But you know, that's pretty much how most of it worked. All the like, you can look in their albums, and most of it says like music by Lee and Lifeson. Yeah. And you know, lyrics by Peart or whatever. Right. That's just wow. how they rolled. They they kind of all had their they all had their role, and they knew what their role was in the band, and yeah. they just like, you know, went to town. Interesting. And yeah. so anyway, like listen and then when I listened to mo- yeah. moving pictures, that's when my brain exploded. Sure. Because there's not all that production and all those keyboards all over right. everything. So you really hear the indiv- individual instruments going on there. And there's some keyboards. There's a but it's like it's like mon like monophonic things mostly. Some mm-hmm. of it's polyphonic, but most of it is like, you know, just parts here and there. Yeah. And most of it is just them rocking out with yeah. all of like the rock juice that you can squeeze out of the yeah. out of the volcano. It was like it was amazing. Yeah. And that just like my brain exploded at that point. I'm like, this is incredible. And then after that, like as quickly as I could earn money in my part-time job, I was sinking it yeah. into seed, like buying all right. of their albums. Right. Right. right and that right, also right. turned me on to other progressive rock at the time. Like yeah. And and the funny thing is nowadays, I am definitely a guy who is not really into progressive rock. Like that right. was definitely not something I held on to. I, I still yeah. I still love listening to Rush sometimes. Yeah. And and they got me into things like Yes and King Crimson mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then that that got me in like sideways to Genesis and that yep. took me to Peter Gabriel. That's you right. Know, and and all of this other stuff. But I would say that is a portion of my music that I, I kind of like at, at some point I took most of that, most of those rock knickknacks, the yeah. prog rock knickknacks, and I packed them up in a box yep. and I closed it up and I put it under my, my stairs, right, right in, in the little extra room. Yeah. <laughs> and I take it out every once in a while and go through it, and, yeah. but it's really not my, it's not like I didn't hold tightly onto that anymore, but yeah. I do- absolutely treasure what that taught me because i think right from the beginning as a bass player because this was mm-hmm. right around the time like this was the year that i started getting into the idea of like i'm gonna i think i want to play bass because yeah. i got into rush and then yes and i'm like i can't believe that bass yeah um, being a bassist can be this right i want to have a piece of that yeah and that's what got me into it. And right. I will always to this day be grateful for that like light shining, yeah. w- which came at a perfect time for me, yeah. right? And, you know, it, it gave me a bar to shoot for. Yeah. That at the time, would it was really, really helpful, right? And at the same time, realizing that I don't want to play, like, that wasn't the only thing I played. 
Yeah. I think I knew enough because I had been trained in music before that for many, many years yeah. to start easier. So while I listened to that, it wasn't all yeah. I did. Like, oh, I want to yeah. play just like See, that's this guy. The difference, right. You know what I mean? Because for me, it was like, um, at that year, when I first started playing bass, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it was like the hot bassists that were out there right at that time was like Victor Wooten and then Primus. Oh, yeah. Right, Les Claypool. Who yes. Les actually, this is one of his influences. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, huge rush. And Jamerson is, is an influence yep. to him. Indeed. Right? Indeed, Like, yeah. if you start looking at this chain of where... That's... Here's the crazy thing. So, I actually got... Uh, there is a... You know, probably people know about this. Um, I think his name is Alan Slutsky. He wrote the book called Standing in the Shadow of Jamerson. Mm -hmm. And that is actually the book that prompted later the documentary Standing in the Shadows of Motown, mm -hmm. which hopefully some of the people in our audience have seen. Um, but this, uh, this, this book that Alan Slutsky put out was accompanied by a CD. And in it, you heard all of these famous bass players recreating James Jamerson's lines huh. in famous songs. And Getty Lee was among them. Oh, come because on. Because he went and I sought out. That. Oh, yeah. He went out and sought out all of these bass players who were like, they were influenced by by Jamerson. Jamerson was an amazing, you know, we talked yeah. about this last year in our, in our in season one. Yeah. Jamerson was an amazingly yeah. technical player. He came out of an upright background, a classical background, a yeah. jazz background. And he could do amazing things on this you, you know, right. the, what was then a fairly new, you know, recent instrument, the electric yeah. bass. And he took it to the next level because he could play right. these incredibly intricate lines, which if you hear them now, all you need to do is you could put that bass and the singer singing their vocal on top yeah. and the whole song is there. It's there. It's you all laid out. You can hear everything yeah. there because that, that was the kind of architect he was. Right. And he influenced guys like Getty, right? They heard the bass doing these things. They're like, that's... I want to do that. That's similar. And they took it in a See, different that's direction. That's the thing, though. Like, that's what I hear um, when I listen back to to Getty lines. Like, it's it's like it's that architect thing that you're yeah. saying. Like, yeah, that's what it is. Is that he's writing for his vocals because he's the singer, and you could just hear how his lines are like, man, they're just yeah, they're creating like a perfect platform yep. for vocals for drums. It's and it's taking this like three piece into like a yeah. machine, like this huge force. Yeah, it just brings it into like it, it. It's the it's like the thing that ties the harmonies and the yeah. textures of the guitar to yeah. the percussion of the drums, and it's just like it basically like weaves the web between them. Yep. that makes those songs so amazing. So here's the thing for me, like when I think of Getty, what I the things that I take from it is like. Uh, it's it it is a singer composer bass thing for me. I yeah. think that these this like this trifecta is so huge. Yes. When you think of like the Paul McCartney, the yep. Sting, you know, Getty is like right there where it's and they're just like machines at doing all of that, that they're no longer just bass players. Right. Right. They go beyond the just the symbol role of I'm gonna support the song too. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm actually creating I'm gonna the be song. the song. Like, yeah. 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 And 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 that he was such a like 
all three of them must have like I didn't I don't know the story, but you just have to assume that for being in a band for so long, he has to be a good guy. Yes. Right? Like your your head has to be in the right place. Yeah. You're not somebody that's like burning bridges. You're like level headed. Yeah. And you're you're dealing with relationships and that's that has everything to do with practical base, right? Yeah. Like the whole like let's make this thing work and it's, let's Yeah, it's not just the fact that this guy's a great musician that got them where they are. What got them there is pairing that with, you know, using using your sensibilities, yeah. right? Having a having a a knack for building relationships, right. being grateful That's for the right. things that happen to you. That's right. Um, you know, being willing to go that extra mile when yeah. it's hard, and you know, always sharing that with other people, like yeah. never saying, it, hey, I'm the guy who's the star here, right? Yeah. You know, it, it's not about me. It's about us. You know right? what I love Being is able to that, do that, like, they have a big production piece also. Yeah. You know, he's involved with all, like, the production piece. Oh, yeah. Like, he loves that side of it. Yeah. Like, to me, that's a very telling. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's it fits right in, like, the, the practical base spectrum of, yeah. like... These are things you do. You get involved with like right. aspects around you what you're doing. You take an interest in it. Yeah. You take an interest in it, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. The other um, the other thing though, like from a strong perspective, like uh, getting more into like the music side of it is that like I find there's a lot of, maybe it's because of like the similar kind of scope around Getty Lee is that like, when I think about how I play rock, there's a lot of things that I do that are like Getty yeah, Lee. Yeah. Like my style is like that. Mm -hmm. Whether, uh, and it wasn't intentional, but it's because of all the things that are around it. Like right. people that have influenced him and that he has influenced have been in within my sphere of influences. Right, right. Right? Which is like, it's a huge, you start to get into this huge circle, um, this huge sphere. And it's, um, it's his approach it's his approach, his attack of like these like nice melodic lines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then his sound, like honestly his tone to me from, a, if you think of like rock bass, he just seemed to nail the rock bass line. Yeah. Yeah. He's got this like overdrive. It's like this like tech 21, like overdrive. Yeah. Compressed in a way. Yep. Like with like, a little bit of mids, mostly like highs and like lows, and then doubled with like a this like lower low that sort of like yeah. rings underneath. Yes, just this like epic baseline that is just an yeah. orchestra in itself. That yeah. when you just hear it on its own, like, you're like the tone, oh, forget yeah, it. that that forget tone it, is like yeah. Whether you incredible. love it or you hate it, like you can't help but just keep listening to it. It's undeniable, like that. That is a like he has a signature tone that's developed over the years like it's very in the earlier days like 70s or whatever early 80s yeah. it's it's very kind of um uh there's kind of a, a fuzzy quality to it which right. is you know very very cool and it's yeah. this very kind of um you know grindy quality but mm -hmm. in but in a sort of fuzzy 70s way but then as you get into their later especially get into their later albums mm -hmm. like late 90s and 2000s yeah it becomes incredibly punchy yeah well defined yeah and very like aggressive but in a surgical way right that yeah when you hear it you're just like 
it is one of the most powerful bass sounds. Like when I I when I got um one of the records that I think was a a real return to form for their sound, uh, uh, for the sound, not necessarily yeah. for the you know for everything else, but I feel like the 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 the, the just just the overall quality of the sound um the counterparts album for me like g- like there was much more of a rock sound happening there mm-hmm. that i really love there's this you know there's this song called animate that on their mm-hmm. on on counterparts which is i think one of the best songs that they've ever written yeah just in terms of it just connects at a really visceral like balls out rocking level that yeah. Very, I think they they have songs that have done that, but that song, like in a very special way, I think, like really took that to the next level. And the sound of the bass on that, on that, on that record, just like yeah. it's it kill, it's just killer. It's like everything. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. You know, the thing about Getty that I, you know, the thing I associate with him is this this sound that he gets is just, and it all comes from his fingers. This is the thing. Right. Getty doesn't play with a pick. When I got that counterparts album, I thought, did he start playing with a pick? And the thing is, no, he didn't. He actually, he had developed for a while the sound from his fingers. He actually had like, apparently something happened to one of his fingernails when he was, you know, when he was, uh, you know, many years ago. Okay. And he kind of like just, I guess grew his fingernail never really grew back right. It grew back like this kind of into the skin, this kind of monstrosity, like a real thick nail, thick. Okay, and he like kind of cultivated that into this like a tool that he could use. So he gets this very aggressive pick like sound that comes from. It's coming from his fingers, but it's coming because his nail is like grabbing the string too, and like kind of giving it this extra little attack that you normally would get from a pick. I, I may be wrong, but like I've seen, I feel like I've seen videos on the whole, like um, almost like a flamenco style. Yes. Yeah. That's another thing right? he does like, like that. A back and forth. He started kind of, doing that. And which is what you do yeah. with a pick. Like later he's in doing in. Yeah. Yeah. He started doing that later in life because he found that like he could flick his finger back and forth, get, get the same kind of speed out of it without having to like work so hard. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, it's brilliant, you know, do what right. works for you. Cause like, you know, you're not always going to be able to play like electrically fast yeah. as you get into your fifties or sixties as a player. And he started using the tool to come up with a method that worked. And so, yeah, it was this yeah. flamenco style where he's picking backwards and forwards right. with that index finger right. at times to make that work. Yeah. And it's like, and it makes an incredible sound. Right. And, you know, when I saw him do this live and it was like all in his hands, I was like, oh, I'm in, you know? Yeah. And singing. Sign me up, you know? Yeah. And singing. I mean, just, there. I mean, <laughs> there's so many things we can say. Yeah. I mean, like we, you know, we can go into all, all I mean, there's yeah. too many albums to go into, but, you know, the, these guys have had, you know, the band on the whole has had an amazing influence on musicians worldwide, but I would say... You know, Getty is, you know, he's widely considered to be, you know, certainly in the top 10 bass yeah. players of all time. That that goes without saying. And I think you could make a case for top three, right? Yeah. Um, 
he's he you know and, and and I would guess the other for me the other you know the other two would be um Jocko and and James Jamerson I think would be the other two for me I don't know who everybody puts there those are my personal picks I mean I think when you get to uh, for me here's my like my closing argument is that um it, it is highly stylized yeah oh yeah right and while I it's dig very the voice. It's the individual. Vo- yeah, the voice is the voice is a lot, right? Like, you could love it or you could hate it, yes. and that's why there's a dividing line. There is a cult following for yeah, it, right? Yeah. And and that's because yeah. of the highly stylized aspect of it, right? Like, some people hate fish, some people love fish. Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure, great musicians. The thing to for me is that like what he did with the bass was amazing. He was yes. inventive. He is inventive, but. He also like created, um, he built our bass world. Like yes. he's part of the thread of what has built, like bass has put bass on the front line. Part has, of, yeah. Part of the architecture yeah. of what we consider to be modern bass. Like he totally. built a big part of that foundation. Yeah. Right? Love he's it or hate those, it. Those and, guys. and if you're a bassist and you're learning the instrument, like you should go through at least- yeah. You should go through the repertoire. Like you, you owe it to yourself to go give a listen. And I mean, yeah. I, I would say, you know, for me, you can start with things with uh, definitely. I mean, moving pictures is without a doubt. I think most totally. people consider a masterpiece. Yeah. Um. Of of classic rock. Period. And it is definitely one of, if yeah. not the best, then one of the best. Yeah. Uh, Rush albums. I would also say. You could, you, and, and I'm not sure if all fans would agree with me, and that's okay, right? We all have things that we love and, and don't love. Um, I really loved, in their modern phase, I really loved Power Windows, yep. which I thought was an amazingly well-produced, it was a beautiful-sounding record that I still love, like, sonically. I love listening to nowadays just because it's it's crisp. There is a lot of keyboards in it, but... You can still hear a lot of the instrumentation, like mm. like Alex's guitar was still out there, yeah. and there is there's a beauty to the songs that I really think holds up over time in the way that some of their other later albums don't. Yeah, if you want to go super modern, I would say look no further than their most recent album, Clockwork Angels, which I think mm. is probably the best thing that they've done in ten years easily. It's wow. it's a it was an amazing tour, but it was an amazing record too. And you, I would challenge anybody to look for like playing that out like outplays these guys. Like like literally forty years on, these guys are like you know they're sixty ish, yeah, and they are playing as well as people half their age. Yeah, like they are they're they're like blowing. They're literally blowing other musicians out of the water, right? You know, at double their age. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, at, what what are you going to say about guys like that? Right? Seriously. So, yeah, I yeah. would say any bassist, you really have to check out. You check out the whole catalog. Those are a couple places you might want to start. See if any of those tickle your fancy. Yeah, you know, and see what you think. And uh, you don't have to yeah. love this style, but you have to at least like respect yeah. the time and the art. And you got to like, give the respect. It's just, it's just that thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. You got to give the respect. I mean, yeah. they, they definitely bring the rock juice. Like I said. Yeah. I'm glad that, uh, that we had some listener mail on this. That was definitely I, I did cool too. for me. Yeah. I Paul, that. Paul Calloway out there. I hope that, um, you know, I hope our, our discussion met with your approval and, uh, 
you know, I hope that if you if you were not if you're not a fan of Getty Lee or you're not a fan of Rush, then you know, I hope that this you know still connected with you on some level. If you don't know, you know, if you don't know these names, go check them out. Check out some of the associated artists. Right, it's a great way to grow yourself, like grow your your breadth as a musician and what you're exposed to. There's like a language among musicians that you know these guys are a big part of, and knowing it is like it's the key to a couple kingdoms that you know you might like to to traipse around and and have an adventure in one day on your own. So we definitely encourage you to do that. So I guess that probably wraps it up for us for this week. And uh, we would like to thank you all for joining us. We can be found pretty much everywhere on the web. One of the ways to find us is at our website, practicalbase.com. You can send us feedback there. Let us know what you thought, plus or minus. Do you have somebody that you think we ought to cover? We're interested in hearing about it. We'll we'll be happy to discuss any player. We're That's we're right. happy to dish here. Yeah. We don't know any of these people personally, unfortunately, but <laughs> we'll tell you what we know and what we don't know. That's right. And uh, we'll be, also tell us, you know, if there are other topics you'd like to hear covered. Uh, if there's gear topics or instrument topics, anything that you're interested in of a practical nature, we would love to do that for you. So you can also email us at podcast at practicalbase.com. You can also reach out to us on the socials, Facebook, Google+, Instagram, Twitter. We're even on Tumblr nowadays. And uh, say hi. Send us pictures of you with your gear. Send us pictures of you with your album collection. Whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you. We also hope that you will subscribe and share. It's easy to subscribe. If you go to our website, practicalbase.com, all the instructions are there, but it boils down to this. Podcasts on your iPhone, iTunes on your Mac device, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio on any platform, or really just about any podcasting app out there. Search for Practical Base and subscribe when the link comes out. You get a fresh episode delivered to you every week. It's absolutely free, and it always will be. So we we would love to have you aboard for the ride. And second, please share this with your friends. And we hope that you'll share it not just, you know, hand to hand, even though that is fantastic. We love that. Every listener uh, makes us happier, but also share it on social media. Let people know that we're out here and and, uh, and, and broadcasting for them. So please share it around with, uh, with the musicians that you know. Facebook groups, wherever is appropriate. We would love to, to have people aboard this, this fantastic ride of bass. So until next time, I'm Paul Freelds. And I'm Dave Guzman. This has been Practical Bass. Thanks for listening. So now every time like something weird happens, I like turn to the kids and I'm just like, is that from the dark, dark web? web. Dark I don't even say is that it just dark web. <laughs> dark web. Like, oh God, I'll like, I'll let one rip and then look like by accident and look at the girls. I'm like, dark web. <laughs> <laughs> Parenting 101. <laughs> Father of the year, I keep telling you. If you flatulate. Respond with Dark web Blame it on the dark web (laughs) Blame it on the dark web
<laughs> Remind me That's never to need. do a podcast that little, on parenting. We need that little. We need that little like music under this. You know, they're like the little fifty songs, like. Always sunny in Philadelphia. I've got to find that. That that needs to be out there. So I'm sure that's on YouTube somewhere. I've got to find that song now. Yeah, I'm gonna be obsessed with that tonight.